We spend a lot of time communicating with our colleagues and clients via Zoom meetings and email or chat. So today, we are diving into the world of becoming an effective digital communicator. Today's guest is Ty Hosgen. Ty is a top communication coach, number one best-selling author, and the founder of Advanced Growth Institute. He helps professionals from around the world communicate with confidence, charisma, and clarity so they can get more respect, become stronger leaders, and advance their careers. Ty and I talk about how to be an excellent communicator using digital medium, basically virtual meetings and email. We get into the small things that you can do to make yourself appear more trustworthy and engaging on camera, as well as how to structure emails and so much more. Now here's the conversation. Are you a manager, boss, or team leader who aspires to level up and unleash your team's full potential? You're listening to the Modern Manager Podcast, and I'm your host, Mamie Canfer-Stewart. Each week, I explore effective strategies and provide actionable insights that supercharge your management abilities, optimize team performance, and foster a healthy workplace culture. Become a rockstar manager and help your team thrive at themodernmanager.com slash more. Thank you so much for joining me today, Ty. I'm super excited to talk to you about the thing that I think I probably spend about 90% of my day doing, which is being in Zoom meetings or writing emails. I feel like this is something that is just like we do it all the time and we don't actually have or talk about like the right skills to really connect with people on Zoom and to and create like a good relationship on Zoom or in email. So I'm super excited that you're here and really looking forward to this conversation. Thanks for having me, maybe an absolute pleasure. I often say that we've probably heard more jokes about not wearing pants and we've <laughs> actually heard genuine helpful advice on how to do video calls better. Yes, that is so true. <laughs> so maybe we should start there with what is really important with a Zoom meeting? when you are trying to connect with someone through a screen. And I should say, like, I I get to look directly at your eyes because the way my camera is set up right now. But I've been in so many meetings where it's like this, right, or like this. And it's super awkward to talk to people that way whose faces are in these, like, funny positions. So there's a lot of stuff I think that we can we can fix about them. So what do you see as being some of the challenges with really connecting with people all through Zoom? It's a great question. We can definitely start with what you said about the eye contact and where people are looking when you're on Zoom. So typically, we're kind of looking in the middle of the screen or we're looking down. And if you look at people when they're showing up in your window like this, it doesn't actually look like they're making eye contact with you. It just kind of looks like they're looking away. So we try to replicate an in-person interaction as much as possible. So if we can try to simulate that human connection that we would get face-to-face over a video call, that's really our goal. So you do this very well, maybe, as you said, probably based on the way your camera is set up, but just simply looking into your camera as much as possible, this makes a tremendous difference. This looks like you're making eye contact. Imagine you're in real life and you're just looking at someone's chest or you're looking at someone's stomach. You're looking down at the ground. You wouldn't do that in real life. That's very strange. There's no connection. So one of the easiest things that you can do is just look into your camera, especially when you're speaking. And so a question I often get asked here is, well, I kind of want to see the person as well, though. My person that I'm speaking to is in the middle of the screen. So what I do, and I actually have you like this now, Mamie, I minimize 
the window. So this works for Zoom or for Microsoft Teams, pretty much all the major platforms. You can minimize the window so it's a smaller little box and then drag it up to the top middle of your screen right beneath your camera so that it looks like you're making eye contact because you're looking at the camera. But you can also see the window of the person. And so you kind of get the best of both worlds. You can see them and it looks like you're making eye contact. And it's huge for connection because there's a chemical in our brains you may or may not be familiar with called oxytocin, which is that connection chemical. It's that neurotransmitter in our brains, makes us feel closer to people. And eye contact is one of the best ways to simulate that and create that. So if you can do that, but simply by looking into your camera makes a huge difference. And it's actually easier than eye contact in real life, which some people find a bit awkward. You can just look into your camera, not even really intimately into a person's eyes, but to everyone who's watching, it looks like you're making eye contact. This is a huge, easy way to make other people feel more connected to you on a video call. And, you know, it's so simple and so obvious when you say that of like, yes, just put the put their little face by the camera and then look at the camera where you can still see them. And so, so smart because it's so true that you know, I've definitely been in meetings where especially people who have two monitors set up and they're like looking at this one because that's where the image images are, but their camera's over here. And so you're seeing like they're talking like this the whole time, right? It totally changes that dynamic. And this is such a little easy fix. I'm wondering if there are other things because I mean, like what, and, and I can keep going with like, I noticed it's really awkward when people are like super close, super close to the camera or they're like, what? And it just like, there are so many other things that come like beyond eye contact, which is clearly the, the most important. So what are some of these other things that we should be cognizant of when we are sitting down and preparing for a Zoom call? Another thing we should talk about is actually how you're positioned on Zoom. So again, try to think about a real life interaction. So you talked about sitting too close to the camera. Sometimes we just see a head. Now, what type of right situation now. in person would you only see the chin up to the top of the head? You'd have to be sitting really, really close to them. Mm, yeah. That's kind of like the close talker in real life, right? Where they're too close, you're kind of taking a step back. It feels weird. There's actually a lot of research behind this that shows our brains actually respond to somebody really close up on screen, very similarly to when we see them really close up in real life. So there's actually a part of your brain that gets activated. It's the amygdala, it's the fear center of the brain if somebody's too close. So the best position on Zoom is we kind of want to see anywhere from kind of mid torso up to the top of the head. Imagine you're sitting at a table with someone or across from a desk or in a boardroom. We'd see around there, right? We'd kind of see mid torso. We'd see up to the top of the head. We'd be able to see some hand gestures. So we want to be able to see that. That's really the most comfortable position to see someone on Zoom. And we should be able to see some of that body language, someone's posture. We should be able to see some hand gestures. So please, everyone listening, don't sit too close to the camera. <laughs> You're going to genuinely activate the fear centers in someone's brain <laughs> if you're too close and 
keep in mind if you're too far back, then that looks like you're almost a little bit too distant. So if you're watching the video version of this, you'll be able to see, but if you're just listening to the audio, mid torso up to the top of the head, that's the sweet spot. And I've also noticed some people who are so unaware that they're like, they cut half their face off, right? And like, that is not good either. And I'm, I'm thinking about like when we sit too far away, if you're a little teeny tiny box, right, it's actually very hard to see your facial expression. So there's there's all of these pieces to it that are important for getting your position right, being able to see the body language, as you said, seeing your full face and your facial expressions and not activating that being, uh, triggers by being too close. All right. So we talked about right level of the camera. Get your eyeballs up to your camera to look in. Sit far enough away that you can see your whole the torso up and not too far away that people can't see you or you appear kind of disengaged. Make sure you're look, the camera's not cutting you off weird. All right, what else? Is there any other last tips or tricks to creating a good Zoom experience? Yeah, there's an easy one that you can do at the very beginning of every call. And that's actually just showing your hand with a smile and wave, right? So why is it so important to show our hand? This goes way, way back to our caveman, cavewoman, prehistoric instinct days. So back then, if somebody approached and their hands were hidden behind their back, chances are we're not going to trust them. Do they have a weapon behind there? What's going on? Somebody approached with their hands visible, chances are they're more trustworthy. They have nothing to hide, right? So these instincts are still within us where if we can see someone's hands, we trust them more. There's a link between visible hands and trust. Tons of science behind this. And so on video, typically we can't see someone's hands just the way that we're positioned. So we show a hand right away at the beginning, right at the start of a call with a smile and wave. And maybe I did this right at the very beginning <laughs> of our conversation when we first joined. And so subconsciously, when they can see that hand, it's proven that people will actually trust you more. So nice. between the smile and wave, our eye contact and the right body position, I actually had, had a client who was a manager that started doing the smile and wave and she had never looked at her camera before. She was always looking at the people. So she started looking at her camera and these team meetings, I think it was like the next day she sent me a message and said, wow, people were so much more engaged. They were making small talk with me at the beginning. They're actually listening more. And it totally makes sense because yes, we get that trust at the beginning, but it also feels like you're having more of a real conversation with them by doing these different things. So she noticed something absolutely immediately just in the way that her team was responding to her. So little things like this can really make a big difference. It's so fascinating how the brain works like that. And I mean, I've noticed for myself, I often like wave goodbye in a meeting, but I've never waved hello, which seems so obvious now. Like, of course, like we don't have the handshake. So we need a way to say hello to folks and a nice like, hi, nice to see you is just as good. Although turn off your Zoom uh hands and making those hand gestures. I see my little one popping up saying, raise your hand. But you're right, right? We need to be able to greet each other warmly. And it's such a fascinating little trick to use our hands to create that warmth. What about lighting? Because this is another one of those things that feels like it can make or break 
the mood of an experience of the, of the conversation when it's like dark or someone's like backlit. It just totally changes the the vibe, at least for me, it does of, you know, the screen and kind of who I'm looking at. So what about the lighting factor? This is a big one that a lot of people don't think about too. It can completely change the mood and it's really just how people perceive you. At the end of the day, all of these things we're learning are to change how people perceive us in a positive way. So especially as a manager, if you're seen as more positive, more trustworthy, you're connecting more, you're going to notice a difference in how your team responds to you. Do they trust you? Do they respect you? Do they like you? Like all of these little subconscious body language, mainly and appearance factors that you can change on Zoom will have a huge impact on how your team views you. So for the lighting, if you can face a window, that is definitely the best. So the, the light from the window should be shining and directly on you. So if you can put a desk in front of a window, that's probably the number one best bet. If you don't have that, right now I'm actually using a $20 Amazon ring light that's just right beside my computer to give me a bit better lighting because can't always be in an environment where the lighting is pristine or you're in front of a window. So just a cheap ring light, it makes a big difference because again, think of you're in real life. Would you want to talk to someone in kind of a dark looking environment where half of the light sort of shining on their face, the other half is dark? That wouldn't really ever happen. Right. Unless you're like at a bar late at night, that is not the vibe <laughs> that you're going for. Uh, yeah. Hopefully in your professional life, you're not going for late night bar vibes. So this is <laughs> this is definitely preferred. <laughs> yeah. Well, and now that we're talking about lighting, I, I noticed you have some plants in your background, which is almost like a rain signal that uh, you found some research about. Can you tell us about that? Oh yeah, good question. So I went. I'm a bit of a bit of a nerd on some of this, <laughs> the research behind some of this stuff. So I was really curious: is there truly a best video call background? And so there wasn't necessarily one background in particular that like you need to have six books stacked at 45 degrees. There's nothing that specific. Darn. But they did say that actually having plants in the background, so there's multiple things measured. There's plants, there's having books, there's having pictures of family, et cetera. And the one thing that actually stood out to be the most beneficial in terms of how you're perceived, intelligence, likability, et cetera, Plants in the background was actually the top one, which I'm not sure exactly why that is. Maybe the nature element, it feels maybe peaceful to see. But yes, I've, I've definitely put plants in this background strategically. Let's talk about virtual backgrounds for a second, because some people love them and use them all the time. I personally cannot stand them. I feel like they make my eyes go fuzzy when I'm trying to like focus on the person. So what's the deal with virtual backgrounds? Good, bad, totally up to the person kind of thing. What, you know, what do we do? I would say only if necessary. So if you're maybe traveling somewhere and you have to take a call in a spot where background's kind of out of your control, maybe you're in a hotel, maybe you're in a cafe, regardless of whatever it might be, use if necessary. Whenever possible, a real background is definitely preferred. And I hear you. I'm not a big fan of them either, especially with the way that my hair is. It like makes the top of my head kind of fuzzy and round <laughs> when when I try to blur my background or put a virtual background. So only if needed. 
And it's hard because we don't see ourselves so big, right? So we don't always see what other people are seeing. And when when we're having a hard time focusing on someone, it's just, it's so distracting. So yes, and it doesn't look good when you have missing half your head. <laughs> it's true. And these little things, because keep in mind, first impressions, whether it's you're meeting someone for the first time or it's the first impression on a call, just in those first couple seconds, we make so many judgments, so many subconscious judgments about a person. So if these little things aren't aligned, people will kind of discredit you right off the bat before you've even started speaking. So these small little changes can truly make a difference because if they're not in check properly, people just may not listen to you as much, your team may not respect you as much. So highly, highly recommend putting that little bit of effort into optimizing these things. Oh, yeah. So let's talk about the team for a second, because it's one thing when we can control our own space, right? Like I, as my as a manager, can look, make sure I'm looking at the camera and set up my background and get try to have like some reasonable lighting. But what if it's a team member who is the one who like always has the camera, you know, cutting off their face? Or is it the like has the virtual backgrounds because they're sitting in their bedroom? Is there a way that we can support and talk with our team members about kind of this good video setup situation so that we can all be kind of fully present and engaging? It's a really good question for sure, because it's it's important that everyone is on the same page with this type of stuff. You want everyone as a cohesive unit to look their best, sound their best, show up as their best. So other than bringing Ty in for a video call training, <laughs> I would recommend probably the easiest thing is to Actually, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to plug this now. So I actually have a free video call training that's probably just easiest for everyone to watch together. Totally free. It's on videocallstar.com and we'll talk about that more at the end of the show. But if you want to bring someone in and do a short training, that's always fun for the group. If you want to teach what you've learned based on listening to this episode as well. These things are usually light and kind of fun and are very well received by the team because we're not asking them to do complex math problems. These are all really simple things and they're kind of fun, easy little changes. So you can set aside maybe just half an hour or something like that on a next team meeting or whenever you'd usually meet and just take a bit of time, go through these things. People will actually appreciate that they're now able to look better because everyone wants to look better. So true. I can imagine it being like a fun before and after where you like you show them how like, look how this is how I normally look. And this is what it looks like when I look at the camera and this is my normal lighting. But then I got this little ring light and look how much better it looks. Right. And kind of engage people and be like, see, it really does make a difference. So awesome. All right. Let's shift gears and talk about email because this is the other kind of bane of our all existence. Right. Like it's just so many emails. So much communication happens in writing. And I would throw in also chat because, you know, maybe that's something we'll talk about a little later. But let's start with email. I don't even know what question to ask other than like help. Help us write better emails. We send so many emails throughout the day. If we had to look back and think of how many totals emails we've sent throughout our professional careers, tens, hundreds of thousands, maybe a million emails for some of us. It's, it's pretty interesting. And like the video calls, we've spent so much time actually taking part in the activity, but very little time actually learning 
how to be better. It'd be like an athlete just showing up to games and never actually practicing. So for emails, naturally we want to be clear, we want to be concise, as short as possible. One tip that I typically share with my manager clients that they appreciate the most is frequently we as managers need our teams to do something. We are asking things from our team members, we need information from our team, we need them to do things. And so something that I teach that works really well for my clients is making sure everything is phrased as a question instead of an order whenever possible. So I've reviewed <laughs> also many hundreds and probably thousands of clients' emails to their teams. And I see a lot of, I need this done by Friday, send this information, complete this by Thursday. It's a lot of telling and it's not aggressive or necessarily rude. But it does come across, especially in written communication, <laughs> when people can interpret things in their own tone that they happen to read yeah. it that day based on that mood, whatever it might be. Even something like, please send this by Friday can sound like, please send this by Friday. It's like you're giving them an order. So instead of that, phrasing everything as a question, would you mind sending this by Friday? Would you please send this by Friday? Would you please provide the following information? I teach my clients to really use two main types of questions the most. It's the would you mind and the would you please. Hmm. Especially in emails because people can be more sensitive. The responses are so much better. Think of when you were a kid, even when you're a teenager, and then now. There's really no stage of our life where we like to be told what to do. <laughs> I don't think... Mamie, you want to hear, Mamie, send me, get me on the podcast. I'm going to be on your next episode. <laughs> but I think I asked, are you interested? Or would you mind having me on the podcast? You're like, oh, yes. Oh, let me think about this. You feel in control. I mean, as a manager, yes, you do need these things done. They don't technically have an option, <laughs> but you're framing it in the way that in their minds, they perceive it as having an option, which just makes them feel better about doing it. You get so much better responses. You can get quicker responses. People just feel better about helping you when it's framed as that polite question instead of more of an order. I, I love this for exactly the reasons you just described, but also because it gives the person a chance to come back to you if they are feeling overloaded and they're not going to meet that deadline. And then you can work with them to figure out what needs to get shifted? Does this need to get raised in priority and something else get pushed down? Or or can this deadline shift? Like how hard of a deadline is this? And when you just say, get this to me by Friday, it's like, oh no, now I have another thing I have to do as opposed to, can you get this to me by Friday? Or, or would you mind getting this to me by Friday? And they can easily come back and say, is it okay if I get to you by end of day Friday? Or, you know, I have these other things, can it wait till Monday? And you can actually have a good conversation and you are made yourself open to that. And a Friday the hard deadline, that's fine. But you've you've opened the door for the discussion in a way that you probably haven't if you just say, send me this information now. That's beautifully said because they're always they should always feel comfortable to have a discussion with you. And sometimes, especially when it's read over email, 
I don't think team members always necessarily feel comfortable. They feel pressure. They want to perform. And so just making them feel a bit more comfortable is, is really almost a gift to them in a way, if that helps frame it. I actually had a client who was really having problems with one of her team members in just getting responses back on time. And so he's a bit difficult, but she obviously wanted to work with him and build with him. Give him a chance. And so she started using the would you mind with this gentleman all the time. And he started responding much faster. And he would say, no, I don't mind. But he was responding and then he would do it. Wow. And so there's kind of some interesting psychology behind this because if somebody's a bit difficult and they like saying no, if you ask would you mind, what comes to their brain is no, I wouldn't mind. They're thinking no, so they actually feel more powerful. But no actually means yes, so you're getting what you want. <laughs> so she was getting all these responses like, okay, no, I don't mind. No, I wouldn't mind getting that back by Wednesday or Thursday. And she was like, this is a magic phrase. <laughs> I love that, these little brain tricks. All right, I think we have time for one more. So can we talk about subject lines? Because this is like, you know, the... The thing that we just see for most of us when we open our inbox is just like all of these subject lines and you're trying to navigate how important is this email? What tips do you have for how we can write good subject lines so that we can actually navigate our inbox a little better? Great question. Definitely as much detail in the subject line as possible. Mm. It's those vague subject lines like meeting on Thursday or lunch or report, next steps, like just these vague, <laughs> really short subject lines that make it really tricky to navigate an inbox. So definitely as much detail as possible, company names, if that's relevant, dates for things, next steps. And then actually like on these long email threads, I've actually found and my clients have found that updating the subject line, assuming that you're yes. in control of the thread, updating the subject line as things change so that people can then reference what's currently happening, that also is a, is a game changer. So lots of detail, update it as needed, and just take more than a second to think about it. <laughs> Slightly more effort, and that'll, that'll really help. Yeah, the updating piece, I think it's so essential for teams because we start a conversation thread on one subject and inevitably splits into like two or three sometimes different conversations happening by email and just empowering your team to say you can actually just you could start a new email thread or you could update the subject you could take people off who this is no longer relevant to right all of those things are just so important to helping your team and yourself not be overwhelmed by so many emails so Unfortunately, we are running out of time though, Ty. So can you tell us about a great manager that you worked for and what made this person such a fantastic boss? Yes. So I had a manager early in my career that really showed me how to disarm someone when they're a bit emotional with listening and asking the right questions. So I was very emotionally immature at this point in my career. So I remember I came to my manager and I was complaining about this person. It's complaining about these tasks, about how things weren't moving as quickly, and this person didn't do this, X, Y, Z. And I remember he totally caught me off guard, and he was just so calm. And he said, I really appreciate you for sharing that. 
I'm glad that you're comfortable coming to me with this. I just wanted to thank you for taking the time to explain this to me. What else would you like to add? It's like, well, and you know, this, this part isn't the way it should be. And I think that's it. He's like, okay, anything else you'd like to add? Well, no, no, I think that's all. And by that point, I was just like, I almost feel silly now for coming to him complaining about these things, just the way that he's been so calm and so nice. He's thanking me. And then he ended it with, uh, what would you like me to do to help? And I think I was just so caught off by how he held the space and was so warm. I actually didn't give him an answer. I said, I, I think it's actually fine. I think it's fine. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for listening. And then I went back to my work. Just goes to show a lot of times people just want to be heard and they need to get things off their chest. And sometimes you need to let them get everything off their chest. So he would say, what else? What else would you like to add until they're basically done dumping <laughs> all of their thoughts and feelings? And that worked so well because a lot of times we don't really need anything other than that. Sometimes, yes, but he, he taught me that early in my career. It was really a beautiful lesson. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I love that. I'm totally going to try that with my children. <laughs> but also in the workplace, what a wonderful lesson that he, he taught you. All right. And lastly, where can people learn more about you, get a copy of your book, keep up with your work, and get access to that free video class that you mentioned? Yes. So I am Ty Hosgen on all social medias, which is T-Y-H-O-E-S-G-E-N. I'd love for any of you managers listening, send me a message on Instagram or LinkedIn if you have any questions about anything that you heard or tell me about your favorite part of the episode. I love connecting with everyone. So Instagram or LinkedIn, feel free to send me a message on there. I also have a book called Elite Communication Skills, which is on Amazon and Audible and the free video call training. So that could be a fun thing to watch with your team. In total, through each of the videos, I believe it's maybe 20 minutes total, so could be a fun thing. Maybe you watch one tip. Each tip's about a couple minutes per day. You could maybe watch one per day. And so free access to that is at videocallstar.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Ty. I definitely learned a lot. I'm going to be fixing my my seat situation here shortly. So thank you again for, uh, for coming on the show. Thanks, baby. Absolute pleasure. Ty is offering two incredible bonuses to patron-level members of the Modern Manager community. The first is a free digital copy of his book, Elite Communication Skills, How to Get More Respect, Make Your Work Life Easier, and Rapidly Advance Your Career. The second is 20% off of coaching with Ty. If you want to speak with confidence and clarity and finally stop being overlooked and undervalued, book a free strategy session with Ty to see if communication coaching aligns with your goals. All members also get the extended interview where Ty and I talk about the foolproof approach to getting your point across, whether speaking or in writing. To get these incredible bonuses and the extended interview, go to themodernmanager.com slash more. All the links are in the show notes and they can be delivered to your inbox when you subscribe to my newsletter, along with that mini sketch note that contains some of my key takeaways from my conversation with Ty. Simply subscribe at themodernmanager.com. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. 